0: today is our ninth Easter service as a church. We started eight years ago on an Easter Sunday, so day one was Easter, so I'm excited to be here and celebrate it. And one thing I want you to know is for 400 plus Sundays plus the Easter Sundays that are mixed in all of that, I hope that you know that Paragon Church makes a big deal about Jesus. That it's not just on Easter Sunday that we make a big deal about Jesus, but every Sunday, is about Jesus every Sunday we want to lift him up we want to praise him and we want to thank him for the resurrection that we can have life and as I look today and I look at the things that are going on and there's so many different reasons why people come to church on Easter Sunday I began to think about why you might be here maybe you're thinking about why am I even here maybe it's family tradition Maybe it's because there's a big event planned and you were thinking, hey, there's actually gonna be food at church today, so I'm gonna go. Maybe it has something to do with uh family obligation because somebody in your family said you had to come. I I don't know. We all have different reasons why we want to be here. Some people, they're just searching. Some people, it's because this is what we do. We go to church. This isn't just one Sunday out of the out of the month. It is one Sunday out of the year, or anything like that, It is this is what we do every week. We're here to praise Jesus. And I don't know what you are here for, but I do want you to think about it. And as you think about why am I here, why church, why did I come today, what do you hope to get out of today's service? What is it you're looking for? What is it that you're searching for? What is it that you want to see happen today? No matter what your answer is, I want to let you know that I'm glad you're here today. Whether this is your first time here ever, this is the first time you've been here since the last major holiday, maybe it's the first time uh, in in a long time at least. Or maybe you come every Sunday. We're glad you're here today. But as you're thinking about it, as you're processing it, I want you to ask yourself, why church, why Easter, why now? And as you're thinking about that, I want you to let you know the the hope and the prayer that I've had for each and every person that was going to walk in the doors today. I prayed that today would be a day that you would experience the living hope that is found in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I want to pray for that right now, so let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are, and thank you for what you do. Thank you for the way you work in our lives, and thank you for your son, Jesus, who came, he lived, he died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again that we might have life, and God, we're so grateful and thankful for that. Today, as we dive into your word, I pray that you speak to us, and I pray it all in your name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be in the book of Luke. We're going to be picking up after the burial of Jesus, and as we are there, I know some of you, um, maybe this is your your first time in church, and you haven't uh, uh, been diving into the Bible. You didn't bring your Bible. Underneath some of the seats in front of you, you'll find a paperback Bible called the CSB, which is a Christian Standard Bible. It's a translation that is easy to read, but well accurately translated. So I'd like for you to pick that up, and I've got this for you up here uh, in case you have difficulty finding luke it's in between mark and john and if just give you page number to make it that much easier that's page 576 and 577 so you can just open up to that if you want to otherwise if you have your own bible please open up to luke chapter 23 verse 55 like i said we're gonna be picking up from the the burial as the women were following the body of jesus this is what it says in verse 55 the women who had come with him From Galilee, followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were there, they were perplexed about this. Suddenly, two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified, and they bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day? And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them. And they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only linen cloths. So he went away, amazed and what had happened. Sometimes we read scripture, and I think sometimes, at least in my own life, I I see things, and I just read it for the words that are there, and I forget that the words that are there are describing real events with real people with real emotions. And I began to think about these women this week, and as I began to think about these women this week, these are real women with names and stories attached to them. These were real women that are following along, starting there in verse 55, and as they're following along, It talks about a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. It talks about a a lady by the name of Mary, the mother of James, as well as Joanna. And those three women had names, and they have faces, and they are real people with real struggles. And as I looked at that, I thought to myself, what months have they been going through? See, Mary Magdalene, she was a follower of Jesus because Jesus had cast many demons out of her. Joanna, she was a follower of Jesus, and actually her husband was a manager of King Herod's estate. And she was a wealthy woman that came alongside of Jesus and was able to help in the the ministry part of things and and fund a lot of the things that he was doing. Then you had one of the apostles' apostles mothers that was there as well. These are real people with real stories. And they're traveling early in the morning is where we had the text at. And as they're traveling early in the morning, they had gotten up when when the sun was just barely cresting over because that was the end of the Sabbath from the day before. I mean, it was still dark on one and just a little bit of orange kind of peeking up over the top and they're traveling early in the morning. And as I looked at that, I started thinking about this. If these are real people with real stories, how were they traveling? How were they walking? Were they walking slow or were they walking quickly? Were Were they talking or were they walking quietly? You know, as you think about that, it's one of those things that you go, what was the scene like? You know, As they were walking, did they, to them, did that walk seem long or did it seem short? Because here's kind of the picture I have. I, I can imagine that they had a purpose. And that purpose was to go and, and to anoint the body of Jesus. So they weren't walking too slow. But I'm guessing that they were extremely exhausted at the same time. So they weren't walking too fast. See, the reason why they might have been exhausted, because think about what happened for the previous couple of days. I mean, just two days earlier, they saw Jesus betrayed and sentenced to death. And that probably affected him emotionally, affected him physically, because one, they watched their Savior, their Messiah, be crucified. And number two, one of their friends, one of the 12 that had been walking with them, one of the disciples, was the one that betrayed Jesus. So there was hurt, there was anger, there was pain, there was a loss of sleep in it all. And not only did they experience that the first day, but they were there. They were there in the midst of it all. They saw the darkness fall at midday. They heard Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They experienced all of that. They watched the spear puncture the side and the water pour out. They saw him taken down off the cross. They experienced it all. And you have to think, as they experienced it all, it says that that they walked with the body then in verse 55. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. They were there. And Jesus was buried quickly on the Sabbath. Or sorry, quickly before the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath. And in that day before the Sabbath, it was actually called Preparation Day. Because this wasn't just any regular Sabbath. This was the Passover Sabbath, the holiest day of the year. And so they had to be prepared for that, but also now, as the Scripture tells us, they were preparing spices and perfumes to bury Jesus properly. But I want you to stop and think about this for a second. How do you bury the Son of God properly? How do you even do that? How do you prepare yourself for that? And then think, that was just Friday. Saturday came. And when Saturday came, they began to rest, is what the scripture says. They began to rest. Now, I want you just to stop and think about this. If you've ever lost a loved one, how easy is it to rest the next day? How easy is it for you just to to relax and and sit back and, and soak in who God is? It's not. It's not possible to do that. So, You have Friday when they experience all the grief, all the emotion, all of the everything, and then Saturday where they have to sit quietly and let it all just pound around in their head, all the thoughts, all the emotions, all of the everything going on, and it says that next morning, very early, my guess is is because they couldn't sleep, also because they wanted to get to doing the job they wanted to do. They went, as it says in verse 1, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they prepared. They were ready to go through their morning rituals. And that's not morning as in early morning, that's morning as in the grieving process. They're ready to go through those rituals to get through with this morning process. But the great thing is, as on their way there, God catches them off guard. God throws some surprises their way. And as God throws some surprises their way, we see at least three things that God does. The first one is found in verse 2 when it says, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. See, all the scriptures, all four of the gospels, they mention all what's going on here. Matthew 28 tells us that Joseph of Arimathea had rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the grave, of the, of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, as they were walking, it talks about it in Mark chapter 16, as they were walking, they're like, who is exactly going to unroll this stone so that we can do this job? Because that's a big stone. We can't do it on our own. How is that going to be possible? And then, it says just one verse later in Mark 16, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. So they're surprised. And then the next thing they do is they're surprised when they went in and they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus, verse 3. Nothing's where it's supposed to be. The stone wasn't where it was supposed to be. The body wasn't where it was supposed to be. I want you to imagine with me for a second. As they're there, what kind of emotions come over them? See, I already told you that the day before was the Passover, the holiest one. Nobody's supposed to be doing anything. So who rolled the stone away and stole the body of Jesus? What godless person could possibly do that? Because that's a thought that's going through their head. They're not thinking risen again. They don't have the 20-20 the, the hindsight that we have. They're standing there experiencing all this and trying to figure out what in the world's going on. Why is this taking place? And then, as that fear and maybe even that anger is coming over them, two dudes are standing there in bedazzled clothes. And they're shining and they're shimmering and they're like, what is going on in here? And you have to see that suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes, so they were surprised that the stone was out of place, they were surprised that... that The the body was gone, and now there's two guys standing there, and they're trying to figure out these two guys are literally from another world talking to them. And what they say next is hugely important to the entire story. It's hugely important to you, and it's hugely important to me. And the words are this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? That changes everything. Those words change the entire story. It changes our entire story. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? It's a question that redirects everything. It's a question that makes a giant 180 in our lives. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? How does it redirect us? Well, I see at least five different ways that it redirects our thinking and our ways of how we walk and how we live. See, the first way is this. That statement redirects us from death to life. Why did the women go to the tomb? It was to see a dead man. That was their purpose. That was their goal. We do not go to graveyards, at least I hope you don't. We don't go to graveyards to celebrate and have parties. We go to see dead people. We go to visit dead people. And that's the reality of it all. But yet, they go... Their minds were on death. But the question comes, why do you search for the living among the dead? Jesus' death brought death to death. That's the song we just sang. He is risen from the dead. It says, trampling death by death. He stopped death. He gives us a living hope. That was my prayer from the very beginning all week long, is that you would experience the living hope of Christ, the Savior risen. And as we look at that and as we see that in our lives, it's clear from the angel's question. He is saying, he is alive. He is not dead. Why do you search for the living among the dead? This life's end is no longer death. This life's end now redirects us to life. Eternal life with Jesus Christ. Eternal life with God. You realize that living apart from the resurrection is really just a slow death. We're just living to die. However, when we experience the resurrection, we are now living to live. Living to live for Him. Living to live beyond just these decades that we have here on this planet, but living beyond that. We don't visit tombs to meet God. We visit with the Alpha and the Omega, the resurrected Christ, even here this morning. Isn't that an amazing thing? Isn't that something that should excite us? It reorients us. It redirects us from death, to life. It calls us to seek the living savior and the life that he gives. That's the first thing that question does. The second thing that question does, why do you seek the living among the dead? Is it redirects us from the cross to the resurrection. One of the beautiful things about Christianity is the cross. It is our symbol. It's a giant neon thing behind me. As we look at that, we see the cross for exactly what it is. It is a proof of God's love for sinful humanity. But here's the thing we also need to understand It's not the end. And a lot of times as Christians, we kind of see the cross, we only focus on the cross, and we miss the part that happened afterwards, the resurrection, the the lifting up. There is something magnificent beyond the grave, something magnificent beyond the cross that gives the cross its glory. And that is the fact that Jesus rose again, that he is risen. See, if we get stuck On the cross, without the resurrection, our faith feels like death. However, if we see the resurrection, our faith is alive, knowing that this isn't it. It redirects us, and it should really cause us to live differently. It should really cause us to say, God raised Jesus up. How should I respond to that? We're no longer bound by decades of just living here. We get an eternal life with God. That should change. It should show a whole different picture in our lives. Do we live with death in view, or do we live with resurrection in view? And how should that apply to me? What should my life look like? Well, in that picture of what my life should look like, we see three different things within the gospel. And in there, you you look first in the book of Hebrews. And it talks about Abraham. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, it gives us the first part of the picture. It shows how Abraham's belief in the resurrection actually led him to radical sacrifices for God. That's the first part of the picture. Look what it says in verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, he received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son to whom it had been said, your offspring will be called through Isaac. He considered God to be able, even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. So the first picture, part of the picture, as we live with the resurrection in view, we see radical sacrifice. Another part comes from the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, it records the life of Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus says about living a life of sacrificial love. And he talks about it in John chapter 10, verse 15. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. There's a sacrificial love there. And just two verses later in verse 17, he says, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. And see, John takes that and he writes in 1 John 3, verse 16, not to be confused with John 3, 16, he takes that and he says, this is what it should look like in our lives. This is how we have come to know love. He, Jesus, laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, a life that is full of radical sacrifices, a life that is full of sacrificial love. The third part of the picture is actually found with the Apostle Paul. That third part is found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, where he talks about that knowing and being with Jesus is the greatest possible future. We know that when the resurrection is in view. He says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. That question, why do you look for the living among the dead, it redirects us in this way. It moves us from the death on the cross to the empty tomb. That's why we're here today. That's why we wake up every morning and praise God. That's why we'll be here next Sunday. That's why we're here the following Sunday. And every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in between, we celebrate the fact that the tomb was empty. It redirects us and enables us to live a life of radical sacrifice in those days, a life of radical love, as well as radical hope, which leads us to the third redirection of that question does for us. And this is probably the most difficult one. It moves us from feeling to scripture. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes my feelings get in the way of the truth. Ever been there? Where I feel this way, even though I know what the truth is, I feel this way. And imagine these women. The scripture already tells us that one, they were mourning, two, they were perplexed, and three, they were terrified. But imagine all of the other emotions that are going on inside of their head. Everything else that is saying, what is going on here? And the truth is, is Jesus had already told them what was going to take place, but they missed it because their feelings were getting in the way. And sometimes we even say, I know what the truth is, I know what Scripture says, but I feel this way. And that's what's important, is how I feel. But this question, why do you look for the living among the dead, I think it confronts the feelings. I think it says, your feelings may have some authority, but the truth trumps that. It overcomes your feelings feelings. That's why the angel says in verse 6, he is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, being crucified, and rise on the third day? There's a word in there, it says remember. If you were here on Friday night during our Good Friday service, it's all about remembering. It's so easy for us to get so routine that we don't remember every day what Christ has done for us. Our feelings get in the way and we forget that Scripture tells us that we are alive again because Christ lives again. That we can be risen up. That we have a Savior who has saved us from death. Remember. Never underestimate how remembering God's Word will change our emotions or at least steady our emotions and feelings. And we can focus on that. See, their feelings... Should have been rooted in the experiences of walking with Christ. As a matter of fact, next week we're going to talk about the book of Colossians. We're going to begin the book of Colossians in the the central theme of Colossians. It's Colossians 2, 6, and 7 saying, be rooted and grounded and built up in Christ. But where were their roots at? Their roots were in their feelings. Their roots were in what they were thinking. And he says, be rooted in Christ and what he has said. Because you know what he told them when they were walking with him? It's recorded in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. It says this, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, in my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. He told them he was going to leave. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. So that." Where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. See, when we most need redirection from Scripture is when our feelings are, are at their very lowest. When we are beat down. Remember that whole wilderness thing we've talked about for the last six weeks? That's what, that's what this is. It's moving from the feelings in the wilderness and understanding the promises of God in the wilderness. Understanding that when those whispers come, when our minds are most vulnerable, that God gives us the strength and that comes through the fact that he is alive that our savior is alive we live in light of god's promises let me ask you a question do you actively live in that light today the fourth thing the fourth thing that question does is it redirects us from current events to god's plan how often do we get caught up in current events and ask god what are you doing whether it be something in our own personal life or something we see on the news or a tragedy of some sort of catastrophic storm or whatever it might be, how often do we look at that and say, God, what are you doing? And we miss the fact that he already told us what he is doing, that he is moving through disasters, through hard things to see life and people grow closer to him. Isn't that the whole purpose of the death of Jesus on the cross and the burial and the resurrection, to move people closer to him and his father in a relationship? We miss God's providence. We miss God's plan because we become so focused on the things that are going on here and we don't see what God is doing over here or how he's using that to move everything over here. And that's exactly where, where the women were at, weren't they? Weren't they so emotionally heavy going, what is going on? And everything is p- playing out in their minds. They're missing the fact that Jesus is the son of God and he rose again from the dead. As a matter of fact, it comes full circle in Acts chapter 2 when Peter gets up and really kind of gives the first sermon ever, kind of the first church sermon ever in front of the the day of Pentecost and all the people out there. This is what he says in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for death to hold him. When we stop and think about that, the angels, they, they threw at that question of why do you search for the living among the dead? And as they did, they are trying to bring the women and eventually as they go tell the disciples from the current events to God's plan and what God's plan is going to look like and how it's going to play itself out that God's plan will free us to look at God's greater purpose and as we focus on the future and see what's going to happen next see history is just recorded orchestration of God working out what he wants and how he's going to get the glory from it all see even as we've talked about the wilderness God is up to something good in our lives. No matter what you're going through, God is up to something good. And the greatest proof of that is that Jesus is alive and not dead. The fifth and final thing I want to point out to you is this. That question, it redirects us from the law to the gospel. From the law to the gospel. You realize the four gospel messages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all mention the story of the the death, burial, and resurrection. But also all four of them in that death, burial, and resurrection mentioned the fact that these women were obeying the Sabbath on that day. Because that's what people did. They obeyed the law. You couldn't do anything during that time. They obeyed the law. But as we see that question come up, it redirects us from now obeying the law to following Jesus. Seeing that the law from the gospel, that good news of the crucifixion, the good news, and that's a weird thing to even say, but the good news of the burial and the best news of the resurrection moves us from following the law to following Christ. Instead of law keeping, it's gospel believing. Instead of self-righteousness, we turn to God's righteousness and righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. How huge is that? What a struggle that we have saying, well, I have to do, I have to do, I have to do, I have to do. I think that's why people, when they come to church, they don't really like it because they're afraid they're going to get given a list of rules of the things that I have to do. No, Jesus is already done. That's why he gets on the cross and says, it is finished. The work is done salvation is found in him and him alone and in every moment of every day we can understand that and see that as a turning point that it's not about what we do it's about what christ has already done and how huge is that it redirects us to the gospel and away from the law see, it's our privilege to keep preaching to ourselves as well as keep preaching to others that we don't have a list of rules to follow we have a god who sent his son who lived who died and who rose again for you and for me, that we don't have to obey the law and try to keep up some sort of standard. That just comes naturally with the love that we have for Christ after the fact. See, there's good news in Jesus' death and resurrection. And that good news is found in the grace and the mercy of Christ and what he's done for us. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do we look for the living among the dead? It reminds us that as Christians, we live in the completed work of Christ. We live in the completed work of Christ, which means sins are completely forgiven, atonement is completely made, justification is completely declared, adoption is completely accomplished, and glory is completely secured. It is finished. What a beautiful thing. It's okay to say amen to that. Because that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And here's another thing you can agree with on me. If you're not a Christian, that glory is available to you as well. That grace and mercy is available to you as well. Because if you are not a Christian, I'm going to break some hard news to you. Death is a penalty for sin. Death is a penalty for sin. Death is an agonizing judgment from God because we have sin and we cannot have a relationship with God because He wants perfection. The great news of the gospel is that when Jesus shed His blood on that cross and when He defeated the grave, He made it possible for us to be washed clean in the presence of God it has caused for us to be able to move closer to him when Jesus died and suffered on that cross he took away our sin and our guilt when Jesus rose from the dead and we he says that, that God picked him up and accepted the offering on our behalf that is an awesome thing it just means that we have to repent and repent of our sin, and turn to God, and say, I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I know you're like, is that it? That's it. It's a, it's a head knowledge that moves to a heart knowledge, that I want to make Him my Lord and my Savior, that I, I want to accept this gift, because that's just what the good news is there's nothing more we have to do now there things that are going to come along afterwards as God continues to work on us and God continues to shape us and uses the Holy Spirit to really produce love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control all of these things in our lives yeah absolutely but we don't start by that we start by understanding who he is and allowing him to be the Lord of our lives I told you up front All I wanted today was for you to experience the hope of the living Christ. To experience the hope of the living Christ that we have hope because he is alive. He has changed our hopelessness to hope he is alive. It matters. It changes everything and it redirects everything. My question for you today is, will you allow it to redirect your life? Whether you are far from God, will you allow him to come into your life and change you and work on you? Or if you have him in your life, will you allow him to take those pictures of radical love and radical sacrifice and radical hope and take that and shape you to who he wants you to be? That is the question I have for you today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your word. And thank you. That this word describes real people with real problems, with real issues, with, with real struggles that were following your son. And something crazy happened. A betrayal happened. A crucifixion happened. A burial happened. But God, we are so grateful that it didn't stop there. That the tomb was opened. That Jesus was resurrected and that He is alive. It's not even the fact that He has risen, it's the fact that He is risen. Present tense. That God, even today, your Son is risen. That He is alive. And He's on, working on our behalf as a mediator between us and you. Washing our sins clean, purifying us, and bringing us into your family. All we have to do is accept that. Make him our Lord and make him our Savior. The work's been done. The gift has been given. All we have to do is receive it. God, if there's anybody in here today that has never received that gift of salvation through your son Jesus Christ, I pray today is the day that they meet him and accept that. God, there's others in here that have accepted that. Maybe weeks ago, months ago, years ago, decades ago. But God, is not redirecting their life because we fail to remember what you said. May today be a day that we remember that your son lives and that our lives change. If there's struggle, God, I pray you use this as a day to wipe that struggle away. And we see you for who you are. And we see what life will be when this life is through. Pray it all in your name.